Private Property celebrates women, the rule breakers, homemakers, and high flyers. Women who take up space. Women who kick off glass slippers to smash through glass ceilings. The woman who owns her own. This month, we honor women proudly owning their own. Private property, her space, her rules. Good evening and welcome to episode 95 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantunga Kumalo. It's a Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast. And this evening, we're going to be looking at the reasons why property is the quickest way to financial freedom. But before we get started with that conversation, remember, Private Property has produced a very special book, which is The Property Guide. This is the ultimate guide if you are a property enthusiast and you want to learn more about property, whether you're looking at buying, selling, uh, renting, or perhaps you're a tenant, um, or even you're an owner builder these have this book has some of the best tips and tricks that you certainly want to know on your home ownership journey and even on your investment journey if you want to find out more details about the property guide then go on to www.thepropertyguide.co.za it is currently going for a limited 150 rands you certainly want to get your hands on it once you've bought it Take a picture, do you know, share it with us on our social media platforms. Let us know what you're finding useful about the book. We do want to hear from you. But now to get started with our conversation this evening, I am joined by Leroy Slava, who's the co-founder and director at Property Pick. Leroy, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you, Zama. Um, good evening. And thanks for having me. And hi to everyone listening or watching. I think before we even look at some of the reasons why, you know, property is a great way to for financial freedom, because I, I know some of the viewers at home have already gotten a sense of how this is a really great vehicle we can, um, you know, explore. Perhaps tell us a little bit about, you know, your journey in the property industry, because I think one of the really great things is learning about the different ways that people are navigating their own respective uh, property investment journeys. Okay. Um, so thanks, Amazon. How I started out was, it was actually weird. Let me go back to, I was actually, let me, I'm going to share it. I was actually a drug addict for about 10 years, eh? And started in school till about 25. And in that time, my father passed away. And what happened was he left me a house in Dawn Park. He was living in Dawn Park. He passed away, left that house. And that time I was still busy with drugs. I was, I was naughty. Let me just say that. I was very naughty for a very long time. And he left that house and I was renting that house out because obviously I wasn't in the right state to sell it or to make a decision. And I rented it out. And then finally, God changed my life at 25. And I decided, listen, I don't want to live there. I'm going to sell that house and buy a townhouse or something closer to where my mother lives. And when I sold that house and, 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 and bought the other house, the guy that I bought the house from bought that house from the sheriff's auction. Okay. So he bought it for like, let's say three, 400,000 and sold it to me for 600,000. Mm, mm, and slightly upset, I decided, listen, why is he buying it for 300 and I'm buying it for 600? And he decided to go look for the sheriff's auction. And that's how I got into property. And I looked for the sheriff's auction, went a few weeks um, and started buying. And then I bought a cheap property, made mistakes, sold, took about a year to sell it. And after that, I bought one, two more, and I bought the wrong property twice at the sheriff's auction. So I made a lot of mistakes. 
and bought the wrong properties. And then I realized, listen, I need some help now. And, and I think back then was Robert Kiyosaki. This was about seven years ago, so six, seven years. And back then, Robert Kiyosaki and then came in doing these property courses. And then I got myself on a course. And at the time, I didn't realize I was the first South African to get onto that course, basically, at that time. And then I became part of that team. And then I started doing better deals. Let me <laughs> buy two leads, multi-leads. Started buying better flips, buying and selling. Finally, to where I got into building and, and little small inner city developments, affordable developments. So yeah, so that's a summarized, quick summarized version of, of how I got in. So I got in by mistake with mistakes. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually I want us to talk a little bit about some of those mistakes, right? Because I think one of the really great things is some of us make mistakes so other people don't have to make some of the mistakes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us, you know, made different kinds of mistakes that went on and cost us quite a significant bit of money. I share with, uh, you know, the viewers at home some of the mistakes I made along the way and what they've taught me and, and, and I always, you know, always try to warn other people who are trying to walk a similar path to say, look, look out for this, look out for that. Um, because it is one of those things that unless you know about it, you're more likely to essentially make the same mistake. So perhaps if you could, you know, share some of the, we'll say, let's say top two mistakes and what you've learned from them for viewers at home to almost be like, here are two mistakes to avoid um, on your property journey uh, along the way. Which two mistakes would you pick up? Sure. I've made so many, which two I need to, I need to look at two now. Um, look, let me, let me go into the first mistakes that I made, right? I think the first mistake that I made was starting at sheriff's auctions, going in with little knowledge, little information, but I was excited and I was brave. And, and, and I didn't know that at auctions that sometimes you, the sheriff gives you the information in good faith, Right. And he, the, the addresses are not always correct. You buy it with the previous owner's debt and you buy it with the previous owners in the property. So, so but I think a good thing is I didn't know it because if I knew all those things, I wasn't going to go ahead with it. So, <laughs> so sometimes... You, I, I've avoided sharing options. <laughs> I think it's so, one of the... I mean, I, I think when it comes to sharing options, I probably knew too much too early. Uh, that I was just like, no, 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 this is too much headache. The fact that sometimes you won't get access to the place, even when they give you all the details, when you go and try and view, then you struggle to find access. I mean, some of them, they'll even tell you on the ad that they themselves have, str have struggled to get access to the place. So a part of me thinks, oh gosh, if if the actual authorities don't get, aren't able to get you know access to this place, how am I going to get access to it the moment I've bought it? So that's definitely, I think, one of the, the, the big lessons that uh, viewers at home need to be mindful of, that, look, you want to know as much as you, you can about the sheriff's auctions. There are a lot of opportunities, and we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, property entrepreneurs and uh, property uh, people who run property businesses essentially walk that path and find a lot of their great deals in sheriff's auctions. But you want to understand the terms and conditions and the risk, and if you're brave enough, then you, you know that you've made this calculated move um, and this was a bargain for you. So Leroy, that's the first one. What's the second mistake that you'd like to share that you think- Oh, second one, the second one, let me go. Okay, so that was in the beginning and then let me go to my last mistakes. Um, okay. I was still making, <laughs> we still make them some. <laughs> and did a, did a development in Boxburg 
and I started the development without the without the 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 the, the approvals. And the municipality came and said, "Listen, we're going to close this site down. You guys are are building and you're breaking and stuff is happening, but you don't have the final the final plans approved." And it was a bit stressful. So, but anyway, we pushed it through. And but and, and that was now me going from doing doing small deals to going to doing bigger deals where where it's different. You think you know about. I bought quite a lot of properties, small deals, buying, selling, renting, multi-let. But then when I went over to the development side, it's like I went to knowing nothing again. And it's like I was starting from the bottom. It's like, wow, it's a new lingo. It's, 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 it's a total difference. So then I made a few more mistakes. Another thing, good I didn't know about everything because otherwise you know about it. Sometimes if you know about all these things, you, you, you don't you get knew. it. If you yeah. knew about all the nonsense <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd probably not do anything. <laughs> so. yeah. No, look, I, I, a part of me is, is grateful that when I eventually, you know, decided to, to, to get into property, there was already quite a significant amount that I'd known because I spent a bit of time trying to learn as much as possible. But there's also just quite a lot that I didn't know. And I think retrospectively, I'm grateful that I got in uh, with not knowing certain things, because I think like yourself, had I known the full extent of, you know, what is there now, even now, I mean, I still keep learning um, quite a lot. I think now you, the learning for me is around, you know, the more technical stuff, you know, structuring deals, especially the bigger deals, um, which is very fascinating. There are different ways you can, you know, creatively structure a deal, which is very interesting. But now, you know, you're already from some of the mistakes that you've made, we're getting a sense that you have taken um, or you've you've had a you've had experience in different types of properties. So from buying to sell, buying to let, doing multi-lets, doing single um, units, perhaps, you know, take us through what your strategy was when you were buying some of these properties. I mean, you, you definitely started very accidentally, uh, but what were some of the strategies? Because I think this also then speaks to how this becomes, how property becomes um, one of the quickest ways to financial freedom. Because when you think of the strategy, you're also thinking around what is the best way to get a lot of value from this particular asset? So perhaps share with our viewers at home, what were some of the strategies that you used um, in either identifying the deals in, you know, securing the capital that you ended up securing um, and sometimes in deciding that, listen, maybe this isn't the asset that I want to hold on to and then uh, letting go of it. So with the property strategies that I started out, the only thing that I knew when I started out was, was I just saw buying and selling and I saw the lump sums. So when I started out in the beginning, I didn't know much about the cash flow side of it and that the, that's basically where you want to invest is for cash flow. So, so, so I started out buying and selling a lot of properties and obviously I was young. I was in my mid twenties and made mistakes, bought a car and you know, you take some of this money and you don't reinvest it in, 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 in assets. And I started at auctions. And then when I got a bit of education and started hanging around with the real investors who, 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 who make, makes this a business, then I had like cash flow. I was like, Oh, I was supposed to keep a few of those properties. And, 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 and that's, and then I went to auctions and then I started buying, still doing the flips, but then I bought flats, townhouses, renting them out, making a bit of 2000, 3000 cash flows and still buying and selling, bought a multi-let, did rooms um, in that. 
And then, then finally I got a bit bored because I, I did do quite a bit of flips and buy to lets and all these small deals. And I was like, it has to be something more than this. And then I was chasing these bigger deals for the last few years. And, 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 and now they're coming in. And now mm. they're coming in where, where, where I'm focusing on inner city buildings, close to, to, to the opportunities, close to work, close to transport, um, affordable rentals. Um, between about 3.5 and 7,000. So that's what I'm focusing on. Bachelors, one bed, some two beds. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's very interesting because I think when when you start off, you sometimes, and, and, and I think a lot of the different guests who've come on sometimes share this, that when you start off, sometimes you don't really have a strategy, right? Yeah, you yeah. kind of started, and I think even your story, you kind of start with it relatively accidentally. So you almost retrospectively think about a strategy to help you make the most amount of money or get the most amount of value, uh, deciding whether you're looking at a cash flow strategy or capital appreciation, and then how do you structure the portfolio uh, for sort of those two? Sometimes you want it fluid, so you want a combination of both. So how do you then optimally make sure that you've structured your portfolio in its entirety in a way that you still get sort of value from both sides? Perhaps share with us, you know, what were some of the, I'll say the successful let's say strategies um, or things that you did that you saw that, listen, this was great. This ended up working. I mean, earlier we were looking at some of the mistakes. So now we're almost flipping the script and looking at the things that did work that you did, because I know that people who are looking to get into property there, we can learn a lot from mistakes, which is fantastic. But the moment you're sitting down with somebody who's walked the property path and has learned all these great lessons, you also want to find out what worked. So instead of the, the, the red flags, we want to hear what were some of the green flags uh, in your property journey? Look, I must say, even with the, um, now, now this is not for everyone. I don't, even with the mistakes I made, I still make ma- made money out of it. Eh? I mm-hmm. must say that properties, Property can go very wrong, but it's also very forgiving, um, <laughs> I believe. And, <laughs> and, and what worked was the multi-lets worked well. I started getting cash flows of, of 6000 6, a month. And I was doing these little flats, buying them for what one for 170000 buying these cheap ones and making about 2000 3000 cash flows. And I was keep on doing that. And, and, and yeah, so, 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 so the deals, a lot of the deals, even though there were mistakes in them, at the end of the deal, most of them worked and I made money out of, out of most of them. I made mistakes up front, but at the end I made money out of them. And I think the best thing is, as you say, is have a plan. Start, start with a plan and the plan will be different for each person because we all at different places. We all come from, we all have different goals and say, what do I want to do? What's my plan? Do I want property as a, just a second income where I get cash flow and I'm, I'm still in my job? Do I want to make it a full-time? Um, how much do I need from the property to quit my job? How much do I need? Which areas am I going to invest in? What's the demand in the area? Um, what industries are there? So I think, um, yeah, get a, get, a, get a plan first. And once you have your plan and you know what you want to do, then identify where it's going to work what area it's going to work in and then go and do the research, go and do the research and do the groundwork, go walk on, walk the streets, scan private property, go to our website, property pick, um, and then take action. Eh? Sometimes I find a lot of people do all the research. They've done, they've been doing research for 10 years eh? and they still haven't done anything. So 
<laughs> and I think we see that quite a lot. Uh, you, you know, you, you research a lot and you end up knowing the pros and cons like the back of your hand, but you don't quite make the leap of actually buying the property and managing the asset uh, or whether you're staying in it or you end up renting it out, which I know a lot of viewers here on, on the show are already past that stage. They're now ready to either make that move or they've already started uh, making that move. We're going to go for a quick break, Leroy. When we come back, I want us to then talk about why property for financial freedom, because I think there are quite a number of different asset classes and obviously on the private property podcast, we primarily focus on properties and asset class, but let's go through why this particular um, asset class for financial freedom. We're going to go for a quick break when you come back. If you have any questions or comments, do send them through. I want to find out if you are a property investor, you've already gotten your, your feet wet when it comes to property. What were some of the lessons that you've learned uh, that you want to share with the rest of the community? We'll be going through those just after this. Private property celebrates women, the rule breakers, homemakers, and high flyers. Women who take up space. Women who kick off glass slippers to smash through glass ceilings. The woman who owns her own. This month, we honor women proudly owning their own. Private property, her space, her rules. Welcome back to episode 95 of the host Uzamantungwa Kumalo. Of course, this evening we're talking about the four reasons why property is the quickest way to financial freedom. We're talking to Leroy Slava, who's a co-founder and director at Property Pick, and he shared a little bit about his journey, how getting into property was accidental. I'm sure a lot of property investors probably can, can share that sentiment. A lot of us probably got into it relatively um, accidentally, but when the property bugs bite, you cannot look back. And now many years later, we're hearing about some of the lessons and successes that he's gotten along the way and really wanting to also hear from you if you're a property investor around what are some of the uh, say lessons that you've learned along the way when it comes to your property journey and how it has opened up uh, the possibility of financial freedom for you and your family. Uh, certainly do share that with us as a community. It's always great to learn from each other and share some of the best tricks and tips that we all have for each other. So Leroy, you know, why property for financial freedom? There's so many other things that people, uh, you know, can get into. What is it about property in particular that makes financial freedom seem like a reality? Um, Zama, I think once it's a real asset, man, I think it's, it's real, it's tangible. You see it, you can touch it. It's not, it's not as emotional as stocks and shares and Forex and, 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 and obviously I don't understand a lot of that. So I'd rather stay away from it. Um, and that's the thing. It's a real asset. You can drive past it and take photos with it. If you want every day, if it's close to you, you can, it's there. And, and I think another thing is you can leverage, which, which you, you cannot do with a lot of the other assets. You cannot leverage with gold or with, with stocks or with, with Forex or whatever it is. So, so you can leverage, you can use other people's money. You can use the bank's money. Um, you can use JV partners who has cash. You can use angel investors. You can use, there's like 52 banks. You can use your boutique banks like Tough, Tough who focuses on certain areas and inner city. There's other, there's other little boutique banks. There's, there's bridging finance. There's just, you can leverage it, right? You don't need all the money in your bank. If you have the affordability or if you have the skills of raising other finances. So I think that's the thing. 
And then another thing is that uh, cash flows. Eh? It's, if you do it right, you buy it at the right price, um, you buy the right property, you do your research, you put in a good tenant and your numbers work, you've run your numbers, it's a decent area, there's a demand, you probably can cash flow and it can give you an extra few thousand rand a month from a property. And if you do that consistently over a few years, eventually you can come to a place where your portfolio is covering, covering your, your expenses and even better, cover you, take you on a few holidays if, if that's possible. And that's now you've got options. Now you choose, do I work? Do I go full-time into property? Do I do both? And, and I think that's, that's the powerful thing there. And your tenants pay off your debt as well. So, so, so your tenants pay off your debt. What else is there? Tax efficient. The government gives us incentives because we're helping them create accommodation for people which they can't do, they're struggling to do. So there's a lot of tax benefits as well in that. Um, so those are some. How many is that? Is that four? <laughs> That's already five. Which is, is that five? Okay. So, so we've exceeded. <laughs> so that is. So the first one is it's a real asset. So it's tangible. You can hold it. You can do many incredible things with it, and you can even play around with it. I think one of the really great things is if you buy a house, you're able to subdivide it nicely, and essentially even end up having more people. Um, or more tenants rather than you probably initially planned. You're able to leverage off of it. And of course, that's something that we like talking about here in the Private Property Podcast. And I did promise that we'll look at an episode around the best ways to structure your portfolio so you're able to leverage off of it. Because we talk about this word leverage, but oftentimes you don't get a, an almost masterclass type session around how do you then leverage? What do we mean when we say leverage? Understanding that your LTV needs to be at a very optimal level, uh, having all your properties at 100% LTV is not very optimal. Uh, I mean, it sounds great in the beginning because you're thinking, oh, the bank is giving you all this money, but you actually want uh, a bit of equity into, into yeah. that particular asset. It's really great for cash flow. So that's the, the third one. And then, of course, the tenants pay off your debt. Uh, if you found a really good deal and you've priced it really well, you don't even need to put in any amount extra to servicing the total cost of running that particular asset. Sometimes maybe you'll say, it's okay, there's an additional 300 I must put in or 500. I'm okay with it because it's still part of my strategy and it's a good asset. Then that's the, you know, that's the risk that you'd essentially um, take on. And then of course it's tax efficient. Uh, we've covered this one around taxes that there are different ways that um, property investors in particular need to be able to do their taxes. I shared Leroy, I don't do my taxes at all. I have an accountant who does them very well. Um, always getting you know money back from SARS, get audited, it's a clean audit. And it's because you've been able to structure the portfolio well, but the taxes are also submitted um, very well. I think if I had to submit my own taxes, they'd probably... Ah, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I think, yeah, do what you're good at. Focus on, focus on what you're good at. And, and, and I think what there is within, a, within accountants and a team as well, I think the important thing is get an accountant or you're an attorney who understand property or potentially investors as well who... Because don't just get your cousin... Who just got a degree now in accounting? Yeah. I mean, look, unless your cousin is very good at it, right? Yes, so, unless, yeah, unless your cousin is a CA or is an accountant, is very good yeah. at it, or an attorney, then that's fine. But I agree with you, Roy. The, the, having the right power team to help you along the way, understanding what you are good at, 
in the value chain and then getting the right people to help you along on the value chain. Leroy, one of the things that you mentioned, and I know a lot of our viewers at home tend to have a lot of interest with this one. You mentioned, you know, how there are various fin financing institutions um, and you mentioned one in particular, Tough. I know that you've done some work with them. They financed one of your projects. Perhaps take us through a little bit about your journey with Tough. I know a lot of viewers at home um, tend to ask a lot of questions around Tough because we sometimes don't know that there's this financing house that works particularly with inner cities and really walks the path with entrepreneurs, yeah. property entrepreneurs. So perhaps share a little bit about your experience with working with Tough and um, any tips you give to people who want to approach Tough uh, to finance some of their deals. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so yeah, so tough is amazing. Eh? Tough is amazing. Um, yeah, this tough really helped me because obviously me getting into the, as I said before, when I got into the the, the buildings and the, the the conversions, it was like a new lingo for me. It was like I'm new into property, eh? And and they really they really took me through that journey. They helped me. They helped me with the team as well that they've been working with, um, architects, QSs. As I said, your team changes from when you do the little deals to when you do the bigger deals to fire engineers and structural engineers. And they really, they really helped me with, with that. And, and we were looking at a lot of deals for, for, for a year or so. And then finally, I found the, the, the right deal that they, that they, that they were going to finance. So tough finances, they mandate to finance inner city, inner city um, affordable housing, basic to, re, to rejuvenate the inner cities. Mm. Um, so that's their mandate. So they finance commercial buildings. It could be mixed use as well, maybe retail at the bottom end, but it has to have a affordable residential element and they'll finance you for, so firstly is you need to find a, a building or a project that they are selling and then contact them, find out, listen, is that in the area that they would finance? And then what they'll do is, so they'll, they'll, they'll look at, and, and the nice thing about what I like about Tough is they do not necessarily look at your affordability as much as they look at the deal and they look at you as an entrepreneur and if you will have what it is to manage that property and pay back the so you you do not necessarily have to like if you would want a million you need an affordability of this so so, so they don't look at they look at the deal and they look at you as an entrepreneur they like they like entrepreneurs they 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 also, there's a nice thing they've got, which I got was the Intutuku fund, which they fund obviously disadvantaged um, people, black people to get them into the property market, which they'll fund you for that with a bit of equity. So you might, you won't have to come up with all the, like with the other banks, you'll probably need 30% equity or plus minus. And, and they'll probably say, listen, 20%, but we'll help you with, with a 10% or depending on the deal. Though, depending on the deal, amazing, and and they're still helping, eh? They still they, through COVID, they've been amazing. Um, yeah, if someone's listening, tough guys, Kumulani, and give out a shout out to these guys. They've really helped me, Adrian and them. So tough is amazing, but and and a lot of people are, are finding out about them now, and a lot of people are looking at. They also finance Kasi properties. Yes, Town, must I started you. buying townships. That's how I started. I started buying township properties. That's how I got into property. And they financing rooms now. If your property's paid up, they'll come in, look at it. Obviously, it needs to be legal planning and, and, and with the municipalities. And they'll finance you to build rooms um, in in townships as well. So for some of the listeners, that's so so. So I think contact them, find out what they need, and then they'll give you all the information. And then you know at least what type of properties you need to look at. 
how much equity you'll need. I don't think, don't, don't waste their time and just set up meetings. I think you yeah, just find out what they need, find the property and then call them and say, I've got this property, come out and, and let's, let's, let's look at it. I think one of the really great things with, you know, with Tough is you learn a lot, even from having the introductory conversations with them. And even when you found a few of the properties, they really do look through some of the assumptions that you make around the property. So even if the deal ends up not going through, uh, you know, my experience with them is that even that experience in itself, you end up learning a lot about the kind of assumptions that you've made. So you yeah. also learn as a property investor to make more prudent assumptions. Cause I think a lot of us, you get an inner city, you know, property and you think, look, I'm going to charge 4,000 rands because I've seen some of the ads where it's 4,000. So I think I'll get uh, 4,000 rands. Whereas with their calculation, they might maybe cap it at 2.5, right? Cause they see that that's actually the general average of the whole area, never mind the ads that you're seeing out there. And so they, I think that walking that path with them, even if you don't go all the way to the deal being financed, and sometimes it doesn't get financed because, yeah. because of different reasons, right? Maybe the deal just doesn't make financial sense. Um, you've made assumptions that are not their best assumptions. Uh, so you almost have to go back to the drawing board, um, maybe ask for uh, negotiate a lower purchase price. I think that's been some of the, the reasons with some of the properties yeah. I've, I've seen where some of them are very you know, overpriced. So you want to get it down as low as possible, especially if you're going to have to do any renovations on top of yes. that. So yes. factoring in all those things becomes so important. But you were talking on the innocent. We've got a question. Just on that, you said that. Um, and that's the thing. Some of them don't work. I was doing, I was chasing them for two years and I got so many no's because of the price and stuff. So don't give up on the first no. Yeah. Just keep going, looking for more deals and, and, and don't, don't give up with the first no or the second no. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're talking about the inner city. We've actually got a question here from one of our YouTube viewers, uh, Umon Litenza, who asks, a lot of inner city properties are coming on the market with COVID-19. Is it safe to buy a property for rent at this current period? Um, sure. Hey, sure. Look. I think with inner cities, it's, 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 it's unique because what happens is that, look, we still got a huge shortage of housing in South Africa, right? People are in squatter camps, a lot of people are in homelands, a lot of people are in townships and want to move out. So when they move out, where do they want to move? They want to move close to the opportunities, they want to move close to transport, and that's your, your inner cities, mm. right? So, and obviously look at a city where there's more than, more than two or three industries as well. You don't want to go buy in a mining town and the mines close and there's nothing in there. They probably won't even finance you for mining towns. So, so but, um, but, but I think that's the thing with the inner cities. There's huge opportunity. And, and, and now a lot of the, what I see is a lot of the old investors are, you know, some of these I'm seeing in my areas is a lot of these guys are 80, 70, and they, they, they tie it. They They're want offloading get... some of their assets. Yeah. yeah so they're so they, they letting go of it. And, and obviously, and then we there, we're hungry. So, so we, we're coming in and, and, and we're going we're gonna to take a lot of these things. So I think research first. The inner city, don't just think inner cities. The inner city has to have a few industries. It has to be an inner city that works. You find that there's nonsense inner cities like Black Pan or... Oh, oh, oh. you understand that there's nothing happening in those inner cities so, so make sure that, <laughs> that um, 
that you know? <laughs> I don't know. Does that answer your question? Does that answer that question, Zama? It, it does. I, I just laugh when you say this nonsense in the cities. Um, and and Saitan Brackpan, uh, I, I won't comment on it. I tend to... I, you I tend you to on, no, I don't comment on areas. Uh, I've, I've made the... I've chosen the diplomatic route on not uh, commenting on a lot of areas. Um, and maybe it's because I spent a lot of time reading some of the data of the different areas, right? So yeah. doing a lot of market analysis of the various areas. So part of me doesn't want to comment on, on er any area at all. Um, but Nero, before I let you go, any final tips you'd like to share with our viewers at home uh, who are looking to get into property, but also specifically those who are already in the property space? Because I think a lot of people are already in, some of them maybe already have that one um, investment unit or two investment units and are don't quite know how to you know, move to the third one or the fourth one or to even scale it a little bit. Any final tips you'd like to share to share with those viewers at home? Mm, I think get, look, I think anything that you want to do in life, if you want to be better at it, get around people who are doing it well. If you want to be fit, go get a personal trainer. If you want to buy more properties and you've got two, get around someone who owns 10 or 20. So, so, so I would say, firstly, if you are starting out, get the fundamentals, run the basic numbers, analyze an area, get a team together, start, start, start scanning the area, um, and then find someone, find someone who is doing it better than you, who you can, who can encourage you, who can, who can guide you. Sometimes we don't, we don't have these people in our families. I didn't have them. I had to pay to get around these people. Um, and 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 now they now they my friends after, <laughs> but 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 that's that's the read the read books and take action. You know what? Take action. I started making mistakes. You know what? One two mistakes is not always a bad thing. I, I'm not gonna say. Look, we all we if you want to do bigger things, if you want to do new things, you are gonna you are gonna be new in it, which means you are not gonna be the best in it. So be brave. Take it. Scan private property. Look at an area, see what the properties are, contact them, go view them. Um, go to our website as well, Property Pick. We've got investment opportunities on there. So go view the properties, do the analysis, put in the offers, and don't focus on the money. That's where, that's where you're stuck. You're focusing on the wrong thing. They focus on the money and not on the deals. When you focus on the deals and opportunities, then my coach always said the guy that Andrew Walker helped me, he said, he said, listen, Leroy, if this deal is good enough, the money will come. You'll find the money for it. Get around people that think like that. Leroy, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Okay. Thank you, Zama. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Leroy. And that is Leroy Slava, who's a co-founder and director at Property Pick. Of course, if you want to get in touch with Property Pick, we have shared their contact details down here below. And of course, if you want to get uh, your hands on the property guide, do go to www.thepropertyguide.co.za. It is the ultimate guide when it comes to property, especially if you're a first-time buyer, seller, or tenant. You certainly want to get your hands on this one. Well, folks, that's a wrap from us here on the Private Property Podcast. It has been a pleasure to be with you. We're back again tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. and talking all things property as usual. And of course, I'm hoping that you're staying home and staying safe. I'll see you tomorrow evening. Hi, I'm Alan Footman. I'm a sports tour operator from Cape Town. 
My family and I have been living in the southern suburbs for 21 years. What we love about the neighborhood is it's very family orientated. Lots of things for the kids to do, uh, especially here where we are next to the farm where folk can walk the dog, go for runs and enjoy the fresh air. In the southern suburbs, we're lucky enough to have some of the top schools in the country. And on top of that, we have the University of Cape Town, one of the most famous universities in the world. Newlands is a great suburb. All the sporting amenities, Newlands rugby ground, cricket ground, etc. Down the road at Claremont, lots of shopping centres for the kids and for the mothers to do their shopping. Fantastic pubs and restaurants around like Forries, Springbok Bar. Bishop's Court is full of beautiful upmarket homes. Kirstenbosch Gardens, National Botanical Gardens right next door. What attracted us to Constantia is, is the large open spaces. I've always wanted to be a farmer and now I'm living next to Kirk Constantia Wine Estate, the oldest wine farm in, in the country where you have fantastic wines, great restaurants, got the best of both worlds. My family and I have loved every moment of living in Constantia. We couldn't be happier, and this is our neighborhood.